Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Next Question. You know, when I was getting ready to interview the actor Adam Scott, I wasn't sure what I was in for. I didn't know that much about him. Of course, I recognized him from a lot of different roles, but I really didn't know what to expect. And I have to admit, I ended up really, really liking Adam Scott. Hello. Adam. Hi. Hi, it's Katie. Hi. How are you doing? I learned a lot about him during the course of our conversation, that I would have loved his mom, that he lives close to the house we've been renting in LA for the past couple of months that he loves building forts. You're gonna think it's really weird, but I'm doing this under a blanket because this room is super echoey. I don't mind. Let's just pretend like we're in a fort that we made as kids. I love it. (laughs) I love forts and I love coziness and it's cozy and fort-like. And that nothing was going to stop him from becoming an actor, even though he made do with bit parts, scraping a living together for 15 years. Nevertheless, he persisted. You look back and you're like, oh, oh, oh my God, I, I was nowhere. Ironically, after wanting to break into Hollywood for so long, the first big acting gig he got was playing a Hollywood wannabe stuck in a dead-end catering job in the now cult favorite show, Party Down. Were you the, were you that guy? Yes, I was. You were, you were totally that guy. That is Bananas. I remember that. Yeah. I remember you. Yeah. What are you doing working here? Well, you remember me from anything else? Spoiler alert, it works out for our dear Adam. He has starred in some truly bingeable TV, from Parks and Rec to Big Little Lies to now front and center in a new series called Severance. Hello, my name is Mark S., and I have, of my own free accord, elected to undergo the procedure known as severance. We get into the show, Adam's scrappy beginnings, that magnificent quaff, and much more. I hope you enjoy our chat as much as I did. 
I'm excited to talk about severance because oh, cool. when I first saw billboards advertising your new show on Apple TV, I thought, wow, that is really extraordinary timing. Here we are on the heels of a pandemic that has left so many people of all ages rethinking the workplace, rethinking you know, what we want to do with our lives. There's the great resignation, which other That's people right. have called the, the great reset. But it seems almost uncanny that this show is coming out at this moment. Was it complete serendipity or was it, um, did you foresee something happening in the culture? It was complete serendipity. I mean, the show was written pre pandemic and we were going to start shooting April of 2020 and had to delay, you know, obviously for seven months and started the, we started shooting the day after the election in November, 2020. And, um, so we were shooting right in the heart of pre vaccine New York pandemic. It was, uh, it, as everyone knows, it was a crazy time. And so, no, I, I think it was complete serendipity, but, um, you know, Dan Erickson, the, the creator and, and writer and Ben Stiller, the director and executive producer, you know, kind of the creative forces really behind the show, um, you know, is serendipitous, but I think also the, the kind of everything we're feeling right now and kind of the result of, of everything that's happened the past couple of years, you know, you have to think that the seeds of this have been planted for some time. It's just, we were accelerated yeah. over the past couple of years. That's so you know? interesting. I think you're so right. I think uh, millennials and now Gen Z uh, people, I don't know, <laughs> Gen Zers, um, <laughs> I think this sort of restlessness and this questioning of career tracks and the idea, That's I remember right. giving a commencement address and saying, most millennials will change jobs an average of 14 times in their lifetime. You know, and I think we've seen this slow shift from people who work for one company their entire lives, retire with, you know, yeah. a gold watch, a lunch and a pension. And this this very different view of work and priorities. So I think you're right. Everything accelerated I think all these yeah. pre-existing trends accelerated during the pandemic. But while you were shooting it, did you sort of feel like this feels very of the moment? We've kind of captured lightning in a bottle in terms of some of the themes that this show presents. You know, it was tough to see the forest for the trees while we were shooting because um, it was such a gargantuan task in front of us in front of you i remember amy poehler used to call it being at the bottom of show mountain <laughs> when you're just starting a new show that that uh that no one knows what it is so there's no definition to it and you're at the bottom of the mountain uh when you know when you're at episode one of hopefully as many as possible but you have to shoot the show but you also have to uh, construct and define it, find the tone, it, all of those things that make a show work, um, uh, you have to sort of figure it out as you're doing it. Because there's no re really knowing 
what it's going to be, what it's going to feel like until those cameras are rolling yeah. and you have everyone in the room doing it. And so it is like being at the bottom of a, of a mountain and, and that's, that's how it felt. And, um, for me, never having been at the center of something qu quite so big and challenging, um, I just was, you know, day to going, uh, trying to just jump from one lily pad to the next, keeping up with the work and, and uh, under these extraordinary circumstances in the middle of COVID right. where you guys were probably being tested on a regular basis right. and having to keep your distance and wear masks when yeah. you're not, you know, when they don't say action. I mean, that, that must've been really tough. It was uh, really interesting, and the isolation of it, what you just said, they, you know, the moment they call cut, putting a mask and a shield up in front of your face. We never even saw the crew's faces for the 10 months we're working on the show. And then also, you go home, and I was away from my family. I was in New York, so I, I live in Los Angeles, so I was by myself in an apartment in, in New York, and... Pre-vaccine uh, New York was, especially in the fall of 2020, was pretty locked down. It was pretty... And it was pretty uh, eerie was a, as somebody who lives in the city eerie. too. You know, you would walk out on Park Avenue and in the middle of the day and there it yeah. was empty, no cars. I mean, yeah. honestly, it was like a movie. I know. It was crazy. It was like a mid-90s, like Wolfgang Peterson movie or something. So... Um, so yeah, I I uh, would shoot the show for twelve hours or whatever. Get in a van, go back to the apartment, eat, sleep, wake <laughs> up, get in a van, go to the show. And the show was this kind of stark, uh, isolated, um, strange environment. And so it was very severance-like. My kind of existence, parallel to the show, it was. It was very, uh, very strange. And I was, you know, grappling with a loss in my life and alone for the first time in six uh, months after this intense time with family, you know, like right. we all did. We really buckled down. I buckled down with my two kids and my wife uh, for six months and had this extraordinary time together. Um, and then to suddenly just be, boom, you're by yourself uh, in, uh, in, a, in, a, in the city and, and, and working. And, it, you know, it was, a, a, it was like slamming the brakes on and then getting into a car you've never driven before and, and trying to figure it out. That's a metaphor that I'm not going to keep uh, following here. I'm going <laughs> to stop. I was so excited to see your, your mug on the billboard and that pretty serious head of hair of yours, although it was kind of <laughs> slicked down in the billboard. Um, I'm not obsessed with hair. I, your hair just happens to look lovely today. Oh, thank <laughs> and, you and very, very much. Very fresh and maybe just washed. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, tell me about the plot, a little bit about your character um, in the show and, and how this whole idea was turned into, I guess, what I would describe as a psychological thriller of sorts. Yeah, I I think um, I think I think that's right. I think it's a a, a bunch of different things. Uh, kind of, there's a, a few balls that are in the air with 
with the show and and i think that's what what um really kind of uh, got ben really ben stiller really interested in it is that it has this sort of this the entry into the story sort of feels uh workplace like a fun workplace comedy in a way like office space or or the office or parks and rec even this sort of light fun bantery um way in and then that you sort of sense that there's something a little more sinister maybe lurking underneath and then you kind of realize that this is this fun office vibe that involves people who have no idea what they're doing there or who they are um yeah i mean the conceit of the show is that that we live in a time where there's this technology where you can get a chip inserted into your brain that bifurcates your memories. So when you go to work, once you cross the threshold of your workplace, you lose all of your memory of who you are in the outside world and your entire life and perspective on your life is there at work. And so that is who you are. And then when you leave at the end of the day and cross that threshold once again, something is triggered in the chip in your brain and you have no access to the memories of what just happened at work. And you have no idea actually what your job even is. You just f live in the outside world. So the, the idea is um, you can completely focus on your personal life and then you can completely focus on your job and never the twain shall meet. And so the work-life balance is finally solved. Um, there, uh, there, there is a complete balance in, in, in the work-life conundrum. So I'll never leave here. You'll leave at five. Well, actually, they stagger our exit, so 515. Hmm. But it won't feel like it, not to this version of you anyway. Do I have a family? You'll never know. And I have no choice. Well, every time you find yourself here, it's because you chose to come back. And tell us about the character you play. By the way, it, it sounds like Office Space meets Black Mirror. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And yeah, I think Twilight Zone and Black Mirror are certainly touchstones. Um, uh, certainly as a fan, when I first read the scripts, th that's the stuff that I love watching and have since it, Twilight Zone was a huge thing for me as a kid. And so reading it, I, you know, it was something that, that I would want to watch as a, as an audience member. Um, yeah, my character Mark is in the outside world. A couple of years ago, he lost his wife and, you know, two and a, it's been two and a half years and he is not doing well. He's not moving on. Um, and a couple of years ago decided to get severed because he just didn't want to feel this pain 24 hours a day. So he can wake up in the morning, have breakfast, drive to work, and then boom, he's leaving work and getting his car, driving home, eating and going to sleep. That's his life. He doesn't have to feel anything for eight to 10 hours a day. And I think also part of the his reasoning for this um, is that this grief and this pain is in a way all he has left of his of his wife and he's that's 
you know, whether consciously or not, why he's grasping onto this and holding onto it, why he doesn't want to move on is because this is, this is what he has and, and, and being able to check out for, uh, most of, most of the day, um, is a way of holding onto it while not having to necessarily deal with or feel it. Interesting. And, and do you think it's a metaphor for how sort of unhealthily entwined our personal lives have become with our work lives. In other words, the constant connectivity, thanks to technology, yeah. has made it really difficult for us to have what was for so long considered our two separate lives. You know, even yeah. for me, when I started out in television news, I would go to work, I would come home. And that was time with my family. Now I had to do That's homework, right. you know, the night before, which was delivered. Mm -hmm. It sounds so quaint in an envelope with, with actual, you know, uh, papers and Xeroxes like and articles. And, yeah. And, and yeah. manila folders and all that jazz. But I still felt that when I was not physically at work, I wasn't thinking about work 24 sure. seven. And now the lines have been so blurred. So it is sort of this part of the solution for that um, all-encompassing professional side that we now have? Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's the, that's the idea. I mean, I know that it's, it sounds great to be able to sever the two things because I, I always pictured that as well. I always pictured once my professional life got anywhere and I had any traction or any stability, it, and especially once I started, we started a family that I would work and then come home and honey, I'm home. And <laughs> She'd hand you the martini and your bedroom slippers and Exactly, pipe. <laughs> like Mad Men or something, you know, that's sort of what you always picture. But by the time it, it happened for me, there was no, you know, you walk through the door and there's a buzzing in your pocket and you know, it's 24 seven, there really is no stopping, no matter what you're doing for a living. Um, you have to really draw the line for yourself. And, and if you want that separation, you have to put it in a drawer, but then, um, you know, if you're not reachable for two hours, uh, you know, people think there's something going on or something wrong. And, um, it's, it's now unusual to just be unresponsive for a certain amount of time. It is a, a, a strange, a strange, uh, strange time. And, and certainly, um, you know, like you were saying earlier, how it almost feels like the pandemic or lockdown or whatever sort of accelerated what, what, what was already happening with the gig economy and, and, uh, and, and all of that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, strange. I mean, what you were talking about with, I, I would assume with the today show, when you would come home, and get to be with your family and then get that that big packet of homework that must have been you know it's it sounds like it sounds exhausting but there is something really comforting about it now and, and, and sort of straightforward about this is what you have to do for tomorrow and that's what it is and 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 
you're, you're not going to be bothered. And this is, this isn't all going to be turned upside down and changed right. and changed. I mean, unless there's some big world right, event, right. I'm sure. There's a big news story, but it's funny because, you know, I always remind myself that iPhones didn't come out till 2008. And so all through the nineties and the early two thousands, um, you know, I could be with my kids at the park without interruption. I wasn't looking yeah. at my phone, uh, uh, you know, flip phones were just kind of coming out then. And right. I, I could be so much more present. And I remember reading that Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins, when they were married, had a house rule that they wouldn't answer the phone between five and eight, which is oh, so, so funny great. now when you think about it, because people don't even have landlines anymore. Right. And now we're all addicted to our phones. And to right. be able to be away from it with for three hours is almost a Herculean feat. So it it's just really crazy is. how it's it's almost um, how much this new way of living has slowly, and I would say malevolently, seeped into our our very beings. You know, so That's right. um, and I I don't think for the better. Coming up, Adam's aha moment. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that sounded bad. Right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I 
I wanted to take a moment because I know you're from Santa Cruz, Adam, and I'm I'm just curious. I always love to hear people's origin stories, and I'm I'm curious how you got bitten by the acting bug in the first place, and 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 how you found yourself on on this thespian road, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> The the uh, Thespian Avenue actor Lane. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it was really pretty simple and maybe shallow, but or not shallow, but I, I think it was pretty simple, which was I was always sort of interested. But then um, I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think it was right at the age because it came out in what, 81, 82? And so I was eight, nine years old. I remember seeing that movie. I remember getting back to my friend's house and rushing to a phone, to a landline, and calling my mom because I had to unload all these feelings <laughs> because I had just seen something and nothing would ever be the same again. This movie didn't stop it was just fun all the way through and it was hilarious and you know you watch that movie now and there are jokes not just like funny asides there are jokes and good ones um uh and uh and i just it just blew my mind and you know, I, you know, back then, you know, I went to see that movie so, so many times, uh, and I still love it and have to watch it a couple times a year. But I think that was the, the beginning of, I say simple because it was as simple as I want to do that. Uh huh. That looks like there's, what else would you, could you possibly want to do other than that? Then be Harrison Ford. Jesus, that looks great. I mean, um, talk about getting the girls. Yeah, getting the girls, getting to just dirty. You're jumping from one thing to the other, smarter than everyone else, making mistakes, but then making up for it. He's a flawed guy. He also was a professor. My dad was a professor, so there was a lot of that too. Like uh -huh. I saw my dad in him. I still do when I watch any Harrison Ford thing. I, fe I feel my, I kind of see my dad in that, but the professor, the college professor, which is what my, my dad it, uh, was before he retired. And so, uh, so it was just a, the perfect recipe for me and millions of others. I mean, obviously it was this phenomenon and, and then Temple of Doom, maybe I, I may even like that more. I just love that too. So, that was kind of the start of it. And I, it was just like the secret I harbored for years and years that this is what I wanted to do, but I was embarrassed by it. So I never really told anyone that this is what I planned on doing um, until years and years later. But that was the, uh, that was kind of the, the start of it was Raiders. It's amazing, isn't it, how one film can be so transformative yeah. and yeah. which is, I think, the the beauty of all different kinds of art forms, whether it's a, yeah. a book or a, a movie or a piece of art anyway. But so yeah. when did you start for real uh, pursuing this career? Um, did you do dinner theater, Adam? 
<laughs> no, but I, I, I've been to di dinner theater and uh, that's an experience. Uh, actually getting like, you know, baked Alaska while you're watching Dames at Sea. Like what else, what else could you ask for? Um, I, I, I did the, you know, theater in high school and, and all of that. And then, um, and then, uh, went to acting school after that. But, you know, when I was like a junior in high school, I finally kind of said, I think I can do this. And, and, and there was sort of a social stigma of being a theater person at my high school. So I didn't really want to commit fully, but, but then, uh, did and, 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 and sort of let it out there that this is something I want to pursue. And, and went to acting school after high school and in Pasadena, California is where the acting school was. And that was in 91. I came down here and went to the school for a couple of years and then came here to Hollywood in 90 fall of 93 and just started, you know, doing extra work and, uh, background work and, uh, scrounging around for auditions, just doing anything I could, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I've been in LA for a couple of months and it's made me think of, you know, the entertainment industry a lot. And mm -hmm. being an actor must prey on every insecurity you have. And it, it, no uh, wonder so many of the kids who, who have fame early on in their lives are so screwed up later. I mean, it is, it is really destabilizing. How do you handle kind of the uncertainty and the really, I guess, capriciousness. I'm, by the way, very impressed by my vocabulary during this podcast. Me too. It's excellent. <laughs> Thank you. But Thank I wouldn't you. expect anything I'm, less. I'm pulling, out all the I'm pulling out all the SAT <laughs> words today for some reason. But, you know, how do you handle the uncertainty of, of being an actor and, you know, always kind of now that I've made you probably start getting pitted out by even discussing this, but the uncertainty of where your next yeah. role is going to come from. Yeah. It, that sort of thing never goes away. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I think back to starting out, you know, kind of hustling for roles and stuff and trying to piece something together in fall of 93. So I was, I was, um, uh, you know, I auditioned for Scream and Scream 2 and I know what you did last summer and all of that. I was around for all of that stuff and didn't get any of it. And uh, like I was, you know, went on thousands of auditions and was rejected thousands of times and uh, made my living doing like guest spots and stuff and cobbling something together. Um, but it wasn't until... 15 years in that I even started to get real traction, but had kind of deluded myself into thinking that I was getting traction all the way just to yeah. keep going. And, but then once you actually get traction, you look back and you're like, oh, oh, oh my God, I, I was nowhere. And the people that love me were so generous by kind of being, you know, helping keep me afloat with that delusion all along or, you know, so anyway. Um, so you just kind of dilute, that's how you kept going because I imagine there are many of people who come to Hollywood, you know, hoping to be discovered at the soda fountain, you know, yeah. or, you know, just having one 
perceptive soul in a casting, in an audition, see something in you or That's right. kind of give you your first big break. But so many people just never get that. And, That's right. you know, um, and so it sounds like you deluded yourself initially, but is that, is that how you kept going? You kept, you kept just saying, well, I'm, I'm kind of all that right now and I'm just going to kind of build on this or what other things kept you from saying, you know, I'm going to go to business school or I'm going to, I'm going to get in the business side of the industry because this, this is for the birds. There was something, yeah. I mean, there, there was something that I always sort of felt I, I had that and doubted over and over and over again and gave up on over and over again. But something I, I, I felt like I still kind of had to offer no matter what. And, um, and I don't know how I kept believing in that because there were so many times where any logical person would have abandoned it. But I think there was a lack of other options because I, like I said, from Raiders of the Lost Ark, never wanted to do or even thought about doing anything else. So I had, hadn't nurtured any other real interests or skills. And, uh, and. So if you didn't and, make it uh, as an actor, you were kind of hosed, Adam. I think I think you're right. <laughs> I I think that's you're hitting the nail on the head, which is why it it's been terrifying and still is terrifying. You know, you never know. Um, uh, you know, also as I was you know going through the '90s and stuff, and 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 I did see a lot of people get discovered at the soda fountain and get this big flush of fame and attention, or get that plum roll in this or that, and then you see them disappear. I've seen so, you know, I've been here almost 30 years. I've seen so many people come and go. I've seen people come and stick the landing and know what to do with it. Like you see Matt Damon, right? Uh, what, what he's, you know, he's someone that I used to see on auditions and, and then you see him know exactly what to do and how to do it. But then the, for every one of him, there's a hundred others that um, just kind of come and go. And I'm so glad I didn't get scream or I know what you did last summer because I would have sucked or I would have not been ready and not known what to do with the opportunity and made stupid decisions. So, uh, you know, um, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, a puzzle. I wanted to ask you real quick about some of your favorite roles, because it seems that you've done, you know, a, a real variety, Adam. Tell me about some of the highlights that when you look back, you're like, wow, that was just, that was just perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been super lucky in that I, I do have a, 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 a several of those I can look back on it with so fondly. Um, for such a tough business sometimes, um, I've landed in several spots where it's just been terrific and, and so much fun. And I, I, I certainly attribute that to to luck more than anything. Um, like you were saying, luck plays a, a, a huge part and, and I've certainly been lucky. Uh, um, you know, I think that something that really turned it around for me just internally was uh, 
Party Down, which was a show I just did with my friends, right? It wasn't for career reasons. I don't think my representatives were particularly interested in me doing this. Um, it didn't seem to have any advantages at the time. And it was simply because I wasn't able to get anything else. And my friends were like, hey, how about we just do this? And it seemed fun. And, uh, and so, so I did it and it was fun. It was the most fun. Uh, and that really makes a difference in what you push, then push out into the world that you're all enjoying yourselves, <laughs> you know, and, um, and sort of discovering this fun thing together, which is what we were all doing on, on that show and feeling like probably no one will ever see this. So let's just do it for us and each other and have a blast. And that's what we did. And then got to do 20 of them, two seasons. And then eventually years later, people did catch onto it and, and, and it found this, this audience. And, uh, and so that was sort of the reason I say it was sort of, uh, 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 I don't know if I said it was a game changer, but it, it sort of was just internally because I felt like, oh, this can be super enjoyable. And that makes a big difference in what I put out there in my work. Um, when I watched it, I can tell that's better because I'm having a lot of fun and just sort of letting myself have a lot of fun. Um, so that, and, and then parks sort of came out of that parks and rec. And that was another example of, this is a terrific, lovely group of people. Um, and we became fast friends and th that was five years I was doing that. And it was, you know, driving to work every day with your friends and doing silly things, um, and heartfelt, lovely things as well. That was a really beautifully written, uh, show and character and everything. And so I think with those experiences, it kind of set a new uh blueprint for me as far as what what i what i should do and it was a good lesson like do something that is fun and that you would want to watch and and that has never really failed me not that i've always done that i've certainly done things for other reasons and but it usually works out for me when when those are the components See, not everybody gets along, Nathan. I mean, can't we just be comfortable not liking each other? Doesn't have to be a reason. Of course, you also, I know Adam played uh, the slightly loserish husband of Reese Witherspoon in Big Little Lies, which um, must have been an interesting experience working with all those strong women, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, and that was something I, I, Parks and Rec had just ended and I wanted to try and do something a little more dramatic or, or, or whatever. And, um, the, and really sought that out and, and went and, and auditioned a few times. I really wanted to do that and really had wanted to do anything with Reese for years and years and, um, was so excited to, uh, to, to land that and get, and get to do that. And it took place in Monterey, which is right next to Santa Cruz. And so I kind of felt uh, a little connected to, to it geographically. And um, 
uh, yeah, and getting to work with those incredible women was was uh, was an experience as well. They're all so um, so talented and uh, and smart, and so smart and and cool. It it was really it was really a, a great experience. Speaking of strong women, when we come back, Adam talks about his incredible mom and the weight of losing a parent. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Before we go, I want to want to talk about your mom. First of all, I know you lost your mom, I believe, Adam, in 20, was it 2020? Yeah, right before, uh, it was March 5th, so it was right before everything sort of turned upside down. But that was, I know, just a devastating loss. You know, I'm, I've done um, a lot, some fundraising or contributed to Project ALS, because I became very friendly with Jennifer Estes, who started Naked Angels, a Mm -hmm. theater company in New York City, who Mm -hmm. was diagnosed with ALS um, when she was very young. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is such a cruel, heartbreaking disease. I mean, you know it firsthand. And was your mom sick for a long time, or was it relatively fast? It it really tore through her quickly it was you know it's a particularly cruel disease it's it's just devastating and uh it 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 was just a couple of years uh it 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 you know she was in her early 70s and uh and yeah it moved quickly i know sometimes it moves slower but with her it was just a couple of years sort of end to end and um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was devastating. It's a sort of disease where you just don't want to think about the nightmare uh, of being that, trapped so in your you, body, right? I mean, and yeah. mentally, uh, most in most cases, I'm not a doctor, so I probably shouldn't make this uh, proclamation. But I think mentally, most people are pretty 
uh, sharp and their body That's is right. just betraying them slowly uh, but surely. And That's I right. know that you and your mom were extremely close. And uh, tell me a little bit about her because sometimes I think we focus on the way people died instead of the way they lived. Thank you. That's really su- uh, sweet. Um, she was a really uh, incredible person and a uh, uh, a person who kind of lived, uh, you know, turned it up to 11. Uh, she was, you know, out outdoor, was always out running or walking or, you know, grew up in Santa Cruz. So we, we had, a you know, I grew up with a little bit of a hippie-ish uh, vibe to everything. Not that she had time to be a hippie because she had, was raising three kids and uh, she was a public school teacher. Um, but being kind of outdoorsy and granola-y was something I always uh, teased her about and always had fun fun with like we didn't really have a tv in the house it was that sort of thing um and she probably had uh, what what was it when we were kids you're as i said you're probably 10 or 15 years younger than i am adam but what was it what like the precursor to granola was like gorp or something or gorp oh i as i grew up with gorp i was gonna say it sounds like it sounds like a very (laughs) gorpy household 100 (laughs) percent a lot of spirulina uh, yeah, I, you know, Whole Foods is like, I grew up going to the Staff of Life, which was the health food store in Santa Cruz. And, and I just, I, you know, was making jokes about it by the time I was like six years old. Um, uh, you know, she was an incredibly unique person. I was allowed to cuss as much as I wanted, as long as we were in our home. And so were my friends when they came over. So when we were in elementary school, they would come over and immediately uh, walk in the house and be like, F you, Anne. And she'd be, and she'd just be like, Hey, F you, you little shit. Uh, and they, I mean, loved it. And these are like 12 year old kids. They get to come over and cuss. Um, that is so so funny. uh, Yeah, it was very, and once I had kids, I had mixed feelings about her doing this with my, you know, it, 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 you know, really put it to the test. Um, but it was it was great and and so she was the ultimate cool mom from from day one and um like i said she was a public school a special ed teacher at at the high school i i actually went to and and uh it was just an extraordinary person and so and, and we were very close and she was the first person i shared um my ambition to to be a, a professional actor with when i was 15 or 16 and her reaction is what kind of gave me the confidence to then share it with with others you know what was uh, her reaction her it was uh um i i was watching uh the academy awards whatever the year was when river phoenix was nominated for running on empty do you remember uh-huh. that movie i don't i and, remember him in stand by me oh sure uh, running on empty is a Su- sydney lumet movie he was nominated for for best supporting actor but it was the oscars were on and she came into my room and i pointed to the TV and I said, hey, you know, I think I, I think I can do that. And I think I can do it uh, better than, than some people. And she just said, yeah, I know you can. Now go to bed and close the door. It was just, she didn't even think about it for a second. She just, and that was, um, 
you know, there was no condescension in her approval of yeah. <laughs> my idea. It was just logical to her and, uh, you know, was always beyond, you know, su supportive to the point of, of, uh, of uh, like any son, uh, with their mom being overly supportive, get, get annoyed by it. Uh, uh, but um, just you know, I was properly loved growing up, and that's that's really what you can ask for with a with a mother. And so uh, you know, um, it was a particularly uh, devastating uh, loss. I think you know, for anyone losing their their mom, it's tough. Yeah, I agree. I think you just there's no if. If you're lucky enough to be the product of good parenting, you know, yeah. and I realize as I get older, we are very fortunate because so many people, for whatever reasons, uh, don't receive that kind of unconditional love from That's their right. parents. But, um, you know, we're so, so fortunate. And I, in my book I wrote, my minister told me after my mom died, I was just devastated. I can't remember if it was after my dad or my mom died. I was just just, I mean, I was just so lost and so, so upset. And he said, those who love deeply, grieve deeply. And that always yeah. made me feel, it always made me turn the loss into a gain, if that makes sense. It always uh -huh. made me really appreciate my good fortune and having really wonderful parents. And also, you know, I lost my husband and my sister. So I've had a loss, a lot of loss in my life. And, um, sorry. but I think for, I think for, especially for parents, you think that really profound, deep, deep loss, um, is because I think you feel, feel even more when you have, you know, you've been the recipient of unconditional love. So, yeah. I but think but that your mom losing, was too young. Your mom was too young, for sure. Yeah, I, something I didn't anticipate, you know, because she was sick for a while, we knew what was coming. But then the, the moment it happens, there's a, a shift in it's a, it, oh, your, your world does change the moment it happens, no matter how much you are expecting it. And, and what I realized was, you know, with... A, parent you you realize that you part of what you're doing throughout your life is for them for them to see and for them to be able to tell them about something or let them kind of see w what you're doing out in the world or with your family or whatever kind of everything it's sort of a uh, this watchful eye that's suddenly gone that uh, that is you know it's it's something that it's 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 more of a feeling than trying to intellectualize it like that is is tough it's tough to put put into words but it's an emotional thing that that it's almost hard to explain unless someone has lost a a parent um and uh a good parent especially right a good parent yeah yes exactly yeah exactly i i would imagine it's different if if it was uh, a different situation well I, I i'll have to think about if i ever have grandkids if my my a domicile will be a you know cuss uh what, what do you call <laughs> it a, a a cuss zone like you can say whatever yeah. you want kids my Whatever parents would want. totally not approve. I have to be honest with you, Adam. My my yep. dad would would give would never really let me cuss um, as a kid. But yep. um, 
You know, now everybody drops the F-bomb so much. You're walking down the street. It's just like every other word. But I sound like, a, you know, a prudish 100-year-old lady. But, um, but No, I agree. It, it needs to be artfully done in order for it to, to land properly. And by the way, if I ever did it disrespectfully or did it with anger or disrespect, Like if you told your mother to go trouble. F herself. Oh, no, 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 no. It had to be certainly in a, in a joking manner. Otherwise, I was in huge, deep trouble, to be sure. Well, I'm so happy that we uh, got a chance to, to talk. Please forgive too, my blanket. Oh, it's so cool. Are you kidding? <laughs> I it's mean, so I've cool. never done this before, and it, it is kind of hilarious. So maybe we'll have to run a clip of this podcast uh, to show how ridiculous I Or you can start selling the Katie Couric uh, podcast hood that you wear for good yeah, recording. And that's like an idea. stitch your name into it. Yeah. <laughs> that's an idea. Well, thanks again. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed getting to know you and talking to you. And uh, I hope our paths cross again someday. Same. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for having me. That was the ever-charming Adam Scott. I know it's weird, but I kind of want to be his friend. His new show is called Severance, and it's streaming now on Apple TV. Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen, associate producers Derek Clements and Adriana Fazio. The show is edited and mixed by Derek Clements. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my morning newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to katiecouric.com. You can also find me at Katie Couric on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.